end it after the shovel, or will it? Miami running around, circling, oh look out! Gronkowski didn't have the angle! Touchdown! Oh, can you drink? A miracle! Hello, welcome to the Dolphin UK podcast. Uh, Sai, it's good to see you at the weekend. Wasn't a good result. Didn't get to see you, Lee. Obviously, you were a busy man being a member of the media, but you know, I'm sure you had a good time. We'll get into that in a minute. But but how are we both, Sai? All good your side, mate? Well, I wouldn't say all good. I'm still hurting from Sunday, actually. It was it was a great weekend all around. Um, but I still haven't watched much any of the highlights back, and I haven't even really caught up on the other NFL scores. It's just too too raw still at the moment for me. I thought you were going to say you were hurting from the uh, crammed train uh, on a Garrett, <laughs> which uh, is definitely a takeaway from the weekend for me. Anyway, Lee, um, how how are you, mate? Did you enjoy your afternoon as media I royalty? I did. I enjoyed the experience. It was it was honestly. Once in a lifetime, like, it was great. Um, obviously not happy about the result, but if, if I'm being honest, I'm also not too down about the result. So we like. I mean, I, I'll get on to, to why later. That's all right, man. Yeah, sounds good. And for those that, that aren't aware, Lee, um, you kind of went in the press box on Sunday, didn't you? You were at the, st- at the stadium bright and early for, for press conferences beforehand and press conferences afterwards and a full day of stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, to be honest, we should probably start a little bit further back than even that when me and Simon actually attended practice on Friday, which was uh, certainly a unique experience. Um, I mean, obviously, just being there was, was amazing, being able to talk to to ask questions in the presses. You know, um, Simon asked a few questions. I managed to ask a, a couple of questions. It's just, uh, you know, don't want to oversell it, but a really surreal experience. You know, but after watching Brian Flores' press conferences and tour after games and practice and stuff all year, actually being there to ask that question is a really kind of, say, surreal moment. You know, is it, you know so maybe I'm making too much of it, but I don't know how you felt, Simon. It's just, you know, the, the whole experience is great and even getting down to watch practice. It was, actually. And the thing I took away from the presses in particular were, as you say, I managed to get a couple of questions in and whoever I asked them to, was they replied back to me and answered the question to me rather than to the whole um, media availability uh, that was there. So that I found really fascinating that they actually made the effort to to give me their answers to the questions. And I came away from that thinking how much I liked Brian Flores, not just as a as a coach, but more of a an, an individual. Um, that's going to allude to it in, I'll just give the game away, but we've got an interview right. coming up. Shortly, um, he speaks more um, positive thoughts around what Brian Flores is like. But I came away thinking that I actually liked the guy a lot and even made a joke with the press call when he announced Tua was the starter. And all, everybody went for their phones to tweet out that Tua was the starter. And he, he he gave out a little laugh and a joke about that. And that was great. And Tua himself was was really engaging. And he, he actually answered my question as well, which I was really chuffed about. And it, yeah, as Lee said, it was a great experience to be there. I think you definitely got a sense of what uh, uh, what Brian Flores expects of his players. You know, they were all engaged. 
they were they all treated you know I, I i have no doubt in my mind that they knew that the the kind of couple of us sitting there in the front row were not actual media do you know what i mean not kind of professional media if you like do you know what i mean but they gave us the same amount of respect that they gave everybody else they answered on you know you felt like they were answering honestly i say they spoke directly to you um and that, that went for everyone all weekend like before we get onto the game and like the disappointment of of what happened like everyone we dealt with with the dolphins i felt was absolutely incredible um you know, they obviously know the season isn't going the way that they want it. And also, not, obviously not the way we want it, but they they gave us all the time in the world. They, you, you never felt like you were being a hindrance. Um, it's a, a thoroughly good, great experience. Um, and just one thing I wanted to touch on slightly about the practice thing is I, I was lucky enough to be at um, the walkthrough last time the Dolphins came over. And the difference between the way they practiced on, on the Friday and what they did when Adam Gase was here is absolutely incredible. You can't believe that the first team that, you, that I saw was, was actually a professional football team. They, they kind of wandered around, had a bit of a laugh, didn't, no one stretched, no one did anything. They spent more time getting taped than they did anything else. When we saw them on Friday, we were allowed down there for around 20 minutes. We saw some of the individual drills um, saw the, the team stretch and then we went back up to the sort of the main the main building where where the presses were taking place and stuff like that they continued to practice the best part of an hour after that um, which was obviously close to the media but like you, you could tell from what you could hear going on it it, it was clearly a serious it, it was a big deal they were taking it seriously it, it certainly wasn't a lack of preparation that led to, led to a disappointing result good stuff man great to hear um Bit gutted I couldn't go, but work must, you right. know, all that, all that sort of stuff. So it's fine, mate. Don't worry, <laughs> not a problem. Um, and I guess for you guys, I shout out to, to Dave who kind of uh, put it all on, but gave gave all three of us the opportunity. Obviously, you, you two took it up to, to go to the practice. So uh, Dave organises the the first and ten network stuff, which which the, the podcast is a member of. So shout out to him. Uh, and then obviously Sunday came round, and it was just a really good kind of feel good atmosphere like around the ground and stuff wasn't there and on the train on the way in it was you know if you've got your jersey on people are chatting to you despite the fact they don't know who you are and you know I came all the way up from from the south coast on a two and a half hour train and ended up sitting next to one guy the whole time who just we just talked American football for like two hours which was just something different to be honest and you don't really get that and I absolutely hate talking to people on public transport so it was a completely different uh, kind of experience to me so that, that was good and so I don't know about you. What did you get like a good vibe from the weekend? Again, ignoring the result, but just that the kind of people we interacted with and stuff like that. Yeah, everybody interactive uh, interacted with over the whole weekend. Um, obviously, it was all dolphins related, and everyone just seemed to be one big family uh, in terms of that dolphin community. Whether it was Brett, who is the communications manager, who we met on the Friday to somebody right at the very top, Jason Jenkins, who we got introduced on Friday and who also who we, we met again at the Hard Rock Cafe on the Saturday through to the fans at the pub um, at the Hard Rock Cafe. And I'll give a quick shout out, if I may, if this is a timely way, uh, time to do that, um, Andy, uh, Phil Scollin, Phil Arnold, um, Tom Owen, his wife, Rachel, Joe and Emma, Natalie, Justin, um, Scott, the boys from Finns Nation, of course, were there, and, and Jason Jenkins have already mentioned um, in, an incredible set of people, and it was great to um, 
speak to people that you only sort of interact with either on social media or or wherever and it was it was great and it just brought together the whole dolphins community i think and uh, and, and what a great organization and a team it is to support there you go mate and it's a really nice shout out to that's the first time i've ever heard your dog as well so they go you know, shout out <laughs> size dog for its appearance <laughs> all good <laughs> all good mate um and then on, on to the actual game i mean obviously disappointing outcome but it wasn't the worst performance of the season by any means. I didn't think. Uh, obviously, you and I uh, sat next to each other side, just enjoying the kind of the offense, moving the ball. We've got 329 yards from tour, which is you know one of these better performances in a Dolphin shirt. There's obviously the, the glaring error with the interception. But you know, for, for people like me who were kind of on the fence, and we'll touch on that in a bit um, as well. It was, you know, it, it was a good performance and enough to kind of you know convinced that he's not the issue with this team which we all knew anyway but it, he you know he made some really good plays and his connection with Kiziki and Waddle was really consistent and, and kind of you know gave the team a chance in the end against a, a quite poor team in in the Jags who just got the ball you know at the right time at the end of the game didn't they so I mean your thoughts Si you're kind of or Guanley you, you come in um you know your thoughts on the game overall oh, sorry I just want I just want to start by saying just kind of following up on something you said there, like, like the, the, obviously the result isn't what we wanted, but the, your expectations for that game changed massively as soon as the inactives came out. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that is a shell of the team that we thought was going to play. We thought there was a chance. Okay, we knew that, that Fuller wasn't going to play. We thought there was, that there was a good chance that Parker would play. We saw him stretch and go through some team activities on Friday. Um it didn't look like Xavier Howe go on Friday because he didn't really take part in anything. Um, there was no sign that there's anything wrong with Byron Jones at all. And all, all of a sudden, the, the second the secondary is decimated and and you're you're down. Parker uh, Williams is obviously added to the to the injury uh, to the inactive list. Um, no full. And all of a sudden, you're watching a shell of what you thought it might be. And I think once that happened. That turned a game that, you know, I thought they would be able to win quite comfortably. And I still believe they would do with, with, with Byron and Xavier Howard out there. I think that change, it changes things completely because they just, they make some timely stops, even if they're not, not turnovers and stuff. You know, I think that veteran experience would have made a huge difference. But it's very, it's very much a different team than, you know, I think we would have expected to see when we spoke about it last week. I actually was really pleased with the way Tua played. Um, yeah, he had a couple of mistakes. The interception was just a he had just had a brain fart, um, and, he, and he acknowledged that. The other play where he could have run for the first down and he tried to go for six. Uh, <laughs> Lee's desperate to come in, Lee. Yeah, sorry, I just want to say from where I was sitting on the the play that that you're about to talk about, Mac Holland stops because we we were sitting in the press box shouting throw it because he had a touchdown. He had a walk-in touchdown. Although, yes, he had a first down if he runs the ball. If he if Mac Collins continues to, to run the direction he was going and makes that catch, he's walking in untouched. And we're all saying, well, that's what makes makes this a special quarterback. It, that that is a really is a really unique play. He has two players that are running into that that area that just absolutely stop. Yeah, so. I think um, obviously those. He could have taken the easy easy route out um, to get that first down by running, but of course he didn't want the easy route out. He wanted to go for six, didn't he? Um, so aside from those two plays um, that I've just mentioned, he played really, really well. I thought 
um, mistakes were kept to a minimum. Um, uh, the other thing that um, I was really pleased about is Mike Gesicki. Um, we need to sign him up to an extension on the back of that performance because I thought he was outstanding and was by far um, the best receiver on the day. Um, even considering Waddle made 10 catches and got two touchdowns, I thought Kosicki kept numerous drives alive with those long catches of his. Uh, so he was another positive thing. So despite the scoreline, there are there were lots of positives. And the other thing I picked up on as well was that Tua and Waddle seem to be making more of that connection now. Um, as the season goes on, they're getting that rapport back they used to have at Alabama. The thing that's missing for me is that downfield shot to Waddle, which they haven't managed to pull out of the books yet. So that's the next phase I'm looking for from, from Tour and Waddle is to see how, how quickly they can get downfield. So as I said, I know they lost, but there were lots of positives to take out from, from the offence. Right, I've got a question, kind of a question for both of you guys. So bearing in mind how... I think it was what two minutes left in the first half was the first time we punted the ball on Sunday, um, and to remove the ball fairly effectively. Do we think that they that all of a sudden it's a change in play calling, and that they were calling more aggressive plays, or do we think that two was just a more aggressive quarterback than Jacoby Brissett is, and that he's executing what's being called at a better level than than I that? A, I have a third thing. <laughs> Which is that the Jags defense is just trash. <laughs> oh, <laughs> of course, was, yeah. They were playing such like you know the, the zonal play they were doing was just not working at all, and and that's the difference that you get from being sat where we were, wasn't it? Si? you could see the the gaps that were kind of between the secondary and that linebacking group, and every time that Gaziki or Waddle just plonked themselves in there, the ball came their way. Mac Collins did it a couple of times as well. It was, and you know, you even saw it when Durham Smythe made that catch from Brissett. I'm not taking anything away from the Dolphins. They had to call the plays and and hold the protection up there to, for Tua to get the ball down there. But it was a combination, wasn't it? I thought Tua played a lot better than we've seen in Brissett. Um, Brissett was obviously, um, you know, shame on me for even thinking that Brissett was anywhere in Tua's league. He's not, um, and he just couldn't find the uh, the kind of downfield, or even it wasn't even downfield, was it? It was just 10, 15 yards down the field. Of, into the hands, he couldn't find those passes. Whereas that's that's you know meeting two veg for two. It's not difficult at all, but you've also got to take it with a slight pinch of salt and just the fact that this Jags team is not good either. And you know it's disappointing that we've lost to them, but their defense was nothing special at all. And that's why I'm disappointed they didn't put the ball into his hands on that fourth and short um, that would have sealed the game. I think to call a run play in that situation was. Uh, a mistake because they hadn't run the ball well all game. Tua had thrown the ball well. Why not put it into his hands to, and show that trust that you have and the form that he showed throughout the game to to make convert that uh, fourth down? And uh, that was a, I, that should have been another mistake um, on the offense, of course, that I would have mentioned earlier. But yeah, I did feel as though they should have put even more trust into her as well as um, the amount of I think was it forty nine passes he threw, forty seven. Uh, yeah, absolutely wild stat so. <laughs> yeah, so it clearly demonstrated that they um, were putting the ball in his hands because they knew he could win the game and they should have done it on that last play as well. It, it, amazing that they, they trusted him enough to throw the ball all over the field for the majority of the game. Like he, he, you know, he had enough passes, you know, in in the game before they had to move the ball right at the end there. Um, but on the fourth down play in the first half, you bring in Jacoby Brissett. Fourth down play, you had the ball off to Malcolm Brown. Like it, it's almost like we really, really trust you, but we don't trust you. Like I, I don't, 
Like to me, just, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to live and die on, on Tua's arm right now because I want to know. Like I can't, I, I cannot get to the stage where, like, we think he's good, so we have to pay him only to find out that he then can't make those throws, and we haven't got money to 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 put the talent around him. Like, find out if he's the guy. Let him do it. Like. If it fails, if it fails, like he's thrown the ball four, 47 times after four weeks off and cracked ribs. Like, really, it's a good performance. You know, if, if this is the second week of the season, we'd still say they're shaking off some rust from the preseason. You know, he's been he's been laid up for a couple of weeks. Like, you know, it, really, I think we should be really quite enthused by by the performance. Um Definitely been a lack of Watson stories this week, which is interesting, even though we got beat. I, I thought uh, that the, the usual outlets would have that one ready to go, you know, on cue, but it does seem to have been a little bit quiet. Um, I, sorry, one other thing I wanted to mention as well is having spoke spoke to Tua in the press conference after the game, he looked like he was ready to... I, I don't want to say he looked like he was going to cry, but he looked seriously emotional. He looked seriously upset that they got lost. This, you know, it, it meant a lot to him, um, and and you could see it in the press conference. Um, he obviously had no answers, known he'd done everything he could, and he's standing in there trying to defend the loss. So you know, and it's kind of what I want to see from my quarterback. It it hurts him when we lose because it hurts us too. No, fair point. Definitely a fair point. Um, on the flip side. Uh, defensively, I mean, Simon, you were sat there saying they're just going after uh, Igbenogany, probably to be expected given the kind of last-minute sort of step up to, to the starting role. But I don't think he played that bad. Again, uh, uh, I, I'll just do it now. In a minute, we're all going to talk to Nat Coombs and Nat's going to touch on this as well. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't think, um, I, I didn't think Noah played too badly. I thought he got targeted. Obviously, that Marvin Jones had a, had a hundred yards, but not all of that was on. Noah uh, whatsoever and he made a couple of big tackles big hits put his uh, head and shoulders in where it was going to get you know going to hurt so all credit to him didn't think he was that bad what do you think Zach? I thought so too I mean it was obvious they were going to go after him often and early and I mean even on the Marvin Jones touchdown um, he, he couldn't have played that one any better really it was a perfectly thrown touchdown so he couldn't have asked for more from from Noah on that play um, but the more obviously the more snaps he gets um, the more um, playing more experience he's going to get and you, you hope the guy develops because it is a crucial time for him uh, but overall I, I didn't think he had too bad of a game certainly not um, as bad as what, what it's been like in the past in any case Yeah exactly some some good uh, steps forward there and, and the pass rush was good again Fort Jalen Phillips looked good um, you know got the strip sack was that Ogba that got the strip sack was it I think it was wasn't it um, it was a good oh, like you know just just Lots of good little bits just didn't come together into a, an overall team performance. Is that is that a fair sign? Yeah, I think so. Um, actually, good reflection on on that. Just want to say on the Christian Wilkins sack that he got um, on Trevor Lawrence. I actually challenged Christian Wilkins to do a Hamilton dance if he did get a sack on on Trevor Lawrence, and I missed it. And I think you saw it, didn't you, Andy? So, but uh, he did some sort of dance. I don't know whether it was a musical one. So, if anyone's got any footage of. Christian Wilkins doing a, a sort of funny dance after that sack. Please share it. I'd love to see it. But um, but yeah, the pressure was there on, on Lawrence all day. And they, they seemed to change, didn't they, through the game? 
I think they suddenly realised that actually, if we if we blitz the hell out of them and rush more than we tend to do normally, they they were getting a lot of success doing that way. Uh, Lawrence looked rushed. He looked hurried. He made a few errors, and they really should have done it earlier. But hindsight is a wonderful thing, of course. It's it's very interesting that the defense really this year barely at all. Like, I and I say that because I just don't want someone to point out that I'm being an idiot because I don't I don't remember seeing it. I don't remember seeing the, the Amoeba defense at all this year. Um, I saw a couple of times on Sunday where we might have had one or two two people with their hand down. But essentially, that's just just not a part of the defense right now, and I and I'm, and I'm not sure why because it's successful. So I'd love to know to know what that is. And I, I've got with, with the Noah thing. Noah didn't play badly, but Noah also Noah also makes a lot of tackles, which means he's given up a lot of completions. And my problem with it is, is if they're targeting him, and it's clearly an issue, why not try someone else? Because Noah's not in there because Xavier Howard is missing. He's in there because you lost a second corner because he's the fourth one. Do you know what I mean? So why not throw Jason McCourty out there and play Hol- and play Holland and-, and throw Brandon Jones in at safety? What you know? Why not put Justin Coleman out there? Why why not play Brandon Jones out there who's played some corner? Like rotate someone else and give someone else a try. I don't I, I don't like the idea that. He got picked on early in the game and that was allowed to continue for 60 minutes because if they needed yards, you, like we knew where they were going. And I, I I don't know if that's necessarily great NFL coaching if we can pick out who they're going to attack. And I, I'm not just trying to have a go at Noah because I think he did play well. He's played better than we've seen him play, you know, quite often. But if, if you seriously want to win the game, you've got to take the weak spot out you know, when he's being exposed somewhat. You know, we felt the same the, the week before when um, people kept going after Jerome Baker in coverage. You know, and that's that's about a guy who we consider to be a starter. So, you know, only trying to pl- apply the same logic to, to know. I, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm picking on him, but um, and, and just to pick up what you said about Jalen Phillips, a great game again. The Jags were double-teaming him an awful lot, um, especially early in the game. They, they knew... Teams are starting to realise this guy's going to be a problem, which is great. He's showing great, great growth. It's interesting that um, the Jags just ran James Robinson around the end of their line straight into Noah's path quite a lot as well, which almost <laughs> makes you wonder whether they picked up on something on his tackling ability beforehand. But, you know, all credit to him, he did stand up in that department. You know, took a couple of big hits, gave a couple out himself. So, uh, Fair play to him. Um, lads, before we speak to Nats, do the normal game balls. Um, you know, obviously another defeat, one and five, but pretty sure there were some positives in there. So, uh, Sai, how come your way first, mate? Yeah, I mean, there were, as I've already alluded to, there were three players that caught my eye in particular. Jalen Waddle with his catches and his touchdowns. Uh, Mike Gesicki with his 100-plus uh, yardage. Um, but I'm going to give to her a game ball. I thought he was really good and, and deserved it this week. Yeah, I'd obviously give Tua a game ball as well. I think, you know, I think it was great. But actually, I, I want to go a slightly different direction. I want to give an o ball, a, a ball to the O line because they weren't good. They're not. They're not the best. But they did enough that he's still healthy after that week. He had plenty of time to make passes. He had time to take some shots down the field. Like that. That's that's improvement. Like this is the same O line 
that, uh, you know, we, we've seen Jesse Davis standing over two of our quarterbacks, you know, writhing in pain. Like, we didn't see that on Sunday. Yes, and, and the Jokes defence is not good. But, you know, there, there's still players there, like Josh Allen still rushed passer. Do you know what I mean? There's still dangerous people out in the field, you know? And Tua, yes, he helped mask a lot of it, but they did their bit too. He had some pockets to step up into. He did have some time, at, you know, throughout the game. I, I, I thought we should we should acknowledge the fact that, that there's some improvement. There's still a lot to go, but... Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I think there was, uh, you know, a couple of times when he had acres of space, but you know, to, to kind of stand there and pick his play. Other times where he had to get the ball out quickly because the pocket was was collapsing. Go on, sorry. Yeah, just very quickly, there was one play, and I think I mentioned it to you at the time, Andy, in the in when the uh, tour was pretty much level with us in the field, and it looked like he was sandwiched between two Jags players, and it was like an obvious sack. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this left arm came out and out went the ball. And I just that exactly um, is what Lee said. It looked like he was going to get sacked, um, but had enough presence to step up in the pocket and get rid of the ball. And that play in particular typifies um, the sort of day that he had, I think. That's yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about Tua. Like, it did nothing but boost my confidence in, in him, seeing him like that after four weeks off. Like, I only expect him to get better. I, I don't think that's the ceiling. It was slightly odd when when I, like, we logged onto Twitter afterwards, and it was like the Americans were doom and gloom. Whereas everyone in the stadium was like, oh, it looks it was pretty good today." Yeah, man. and it was just, just. I do think there is that kind of TV to stadium differential sometimes, isn't there? You kind of get a bit more of a flavour, and that's why I'm going to give my game ball to Mike Kaziki, who was kind of revving the crowd up. He was kind of revving his teammates up. You know, Mac Hines was getting into in the ear of the. Uh, Opposition defense as well. I love a bit of that. That's a bit of English football bringing that in as well. So I uh, definitely enjoyed that. Uh, and on that note, um, as I mentioned, we, we're now going to just go over to an interview that we, we've just recorded with uh, Nat Coons, who of course presented the show uh, for the BBC on Sunday. Um, so yeah, listen, enjoy. Let us know what you think. Right, as promised, uh, joined by one of the faces of the, the NFL in the UK, Mr. Nat Coombs. How are you, sir? Good to see you all. I'm bruised, disappointed, <laughs> jaded, but I still got a smile on my face. <laughs> That's the main thing, mate. That's the main thing. And, and obviously you were in the uh, studio over the weekend for, for the Dolphins game. Um, your impressions of the game from, from your position in the studio, mate, what, what, what did you make of it? Well, it was it was gripping, I thought. Um, I mean, look, obviously for, for us Dolphins fans, a deeply frustrating result and manner of result, a game that will, many respects should have put away uh, and, and didn't. So any game like that, I think, is the defeat is harder to bear in many respects than, you know, a blowout. So that was that side of it was difficult. I was, of course, keeping very... Um, uh, you know, professional neutrality throughout the course of the broadcast. <laughs> Off camera, maybe not so much. Um, and and look, much as it was a difficult situation for for us Dolphins fans, it was a hell of a story, right? I mean, it was a hell, I mean, credit the guts, the moxie of of uh, Daryl Bevel and uh, and Urban Meyer. Meyer's probably going to take credit for all of it, I'm sure. Uh, but the guts of that play call, the execution from Lawrence, it was just. 
brilliance. You got to admire the brilliance of that five, six seconds of play. Uh, and of course, the 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 kicker who was a software engineer or whatever the hell he was three weeks ago, who's <laughs> now, um, now parlayed his way into the history books. So yeah, Hollywood ending, but not the way we want it to be. We've got two questions on the back of what you said now. The first is uh, you alluded to your um, reactions in the studio. How easy is it to balance being a fan off camera <laughs> to being a neutral presenter on camera, bearing in mind you may have to switch quickly backwards and forwards? So that's the yeah. first part of the question. And the second part of the question, I just want to pick up on something that happened right at the very end of the game. You mentioned that play from Lawrence to yeah. settle a field goal. Did you and the guys in the studio pick up on the fact that the, the Jags player was effectively tagged uh, before the clock ran out, which gave them the opportunity for that field goal? Had they had they left him alone, the clock would have probably run out. Um, right. what, what, did you guys pick up on that? That was the second part of the question. Yeah, I'll answer the second part first, so I remember it. So yes, ultimately we did, but not immediately. So we didn't, didn't clock that until... What happens when you're doing a broadcast like that is, um, you know, outside of obviously us on camera, there's a big and brilliant crew off camera as well. And the producer uh, in particular um, and uh, so, you know other s- supporting roles around that are, are feeding stuff all the time so uh, I, I tend to be a presenter I guess that likes to uh, to run with my own thing and ask my own questions and you kind of find your way with with the producer and, and director it's, it's slightly more of a technical thing like telling you where we go next and what we're doing uh, but at the same time any good producer is going to fire out ideas and questions and particularly pick up stuff like that stuff that we can't necessarily see in real time wouldn't necessarily have picked up because we're not listening to comms because we're talking uh and so that's how that played out that initially we didn't realize and then it that it was was fed to us and it was like oh okay that's a really interesting as we're watching a replay i think that's, that's a point that was was made there uh first part of the question i've totally forgotten <laughs> <laughs> it's around how do you cope with being a fan of the dolphins ah, yeah, when yeah, you're yeah, yeah, when yeah, you're yeah, off sure. camera as opposed to how you need to behave as a presenter on camera yeah badly is the is the <laughs> answer there. it's it's a really good question because i did i'd wrestle for a little while about um whether i should nail my colors to the mast and it really depends on the on the type of show as well and it's one of the things that as a broadcaster you got to adapt i think to different situations so i'm first and foremost or at least most known for i guess and and it's my first true love is a live presenter that's what i love doing the most and as an anchor your role is to steer the show to steer the conversation and to get the uh, analysis and expert insight from your guests right no one in that format i think you can kind of shade certain things in the question and you can obviously ask a follow-up and uh, put forward an argument but you really need to be i guess the embodiment of neutrality in that role right certainly shouldn't be pushing opinion but then you do a uh, different type of show so the radio show that i do on Talksport, which is somewhere in between i'm still anchoring it and steering it but it's four and a half hours red zone on the radio so i, I will push more opinion maybe on that show than i would elsewhere and then the podcast probably even more so although it depends on the guest right so if i've got mike on i'm gonna lead very much on the classic me and mike dynamic of me pushing questions and taking the mickey out of him <laughs> and <laughs> if we've got uh say this week on on the podcast um that at Coombe show available at all good podcasts we um <laughs> had Com- Marit larwood on there comedian Marit larwood so me and Marit have a bit more of a kind of 
uh, a different kind of a different kind of dynamic and i was pushing you know pushing stronger opinions there right so it depends on, on where you're at for starters uh, so in the live environment long-winded i answered your question it's easier to be neutral because i've got to be in that mode anyway so i can just as long as i you know don't visibly show frustration at something i can kind of get away with it the other shows it's harder to do that but i still got to remember depends on again what i'm doing on the on the podcast i think all our listeners know i'm a dolphins fan and it's very much uh, we're all, all along for the ride as fans as much as anything else so i'm very comfortable talking about frustrations or otherwise on a bbc broadcast i have to keep it play it straight yeah after nice. Sunday, it must be incredibly hard to not show frustration. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really was. It really was. And, you know, it was it was interesting. What I what I try and always do in a situation like that is I think we you know, this is something I've, I've talked about before. But remember how lucky I am to be doing that and, and try and soak in as much of the atmosphere and environment as you can. And so whilst I was disappointed with the result, you know, sitting there again, thinking this is the Dolphins in London in a regular season game. And I was lucky enough to chat to, uh, to uh, Coach Flores on Friday. So si, I saw you there and, you know, I know you guys, you guys were there and got some really good questions in the presser. And uh, you just got to take the positives from the experience, even if the result didn't go away. And look, I, mean, I don't know what you guys think. I don't think the playoffs were ever a realistic objective, even if we beaten Jacksonville. I just don't know they are. So, you know, let's not over um, play the, you know the loss i think there's a you know there's a long way a long positive way forward for this team you obviously haven't heard lee's predictions or lee and i's oh, pre-season really? predictions have you that was pre-season to be fair what was <laughs> lee things was... have gone horribly awry since then oh i think a lot of people thought we would be make the playoffs pre-season definitely yeah, yeah. i mean I, th- I it's i don't know if this is too easy an analogy or comparison i should say and um what you guys think about it but shades of buffalo and mcdermott here you know overperform perhaps high expectation regressed that season and then really kicked on, you know, and I could see even just in terms of the offense, right. I mean, I'm really keen to hear what you three think about tour. Uh, you might have, <laughs> if you covered that already, where are you on? What are you saying? You divi- divided? Agree? Not, not really. I think I'm the only kind of outliers in any doubt on it. Lads, I think like, the, the other guys are obviously like sold. I think I, I, I always, I have a bit of doubt in the fact that, I'm just not sure this this team is going to get the most out of him. It's not that I doubt two of the player. Obviously, know that he's a high quality player. We saw that at times at the, at the weekend. But mm. the way that we're kind of setting up at the moment, the the offensive play calling, the coordinators themselves maybe just isn't really working. And you know, it's a what have you done for me lately sort of league. So yeah, it's a fair point. I should point out to listeners that Andy is saying this with a Tua Tungavailo shirt. (laughs) (laughs) As he's saying, although it's a a Baba shirt. It must be. It's a Baba shirt, yes. um, It's a really good point. I, I, look, I think a lot of, a lot of things about this. The emergence of Waddle, if he goes on to where we hope he will, I think will be really significant here. We've seen that with, other younger quarterbacks and the importance of having a, a, a really explosive receiver, which I think is what we feel he can be. But he demonstrated to, to me on Sunday, certainly that there's more to his game than that as well. You know, he can, you know, he seems to be a smart, smart player. And I love that he's got, he's got the go-to comfort blanket, Titan and Gasicki, obviously Devonte Parker, Preston Williams seems to be emerging as well. You know, if Will Fuller ever plays, that'll be good. We'd like that. Um, <laughs> and that's a pretty decent core, right? So, the ground game. This is the thing, I guess, that is a challenge 
Flores obviously wants to have a run first offense. So at least you think that's what his game plan is, but <laughs> go figure that we haven't, you know, had anything like that again, obviously primarily because of injury. Two is rhythm. We talked to a lot of players about this and it's, you see in a game, let alone over the course of sequential games and ultimately a season or two, right? Hasn't been able to find that rhythm because of injury, because at times I maintain it. And I'm sorry, I know you and I have spoken about this, that bringing fits to pinch hit. I wasn't a fan of that. It rattles your head when you rhythm. And, and obviously injury again, uh, has, has affected a lot this season. So I, I, I think in a way, maybe the pressure of everyone barring the really outlandish coming to terms with the fact that Dolphins aren't going to make the playoffs now, maybe it's the best thing that could have happened. Let's just get that sense of identity with the offense rolling for these nine, 10 games or however long left of the season and then hit the ground running next year. We did say pre-season, didn't we? Like the, the, the sole goal of this season has to be to find out if Tua is the guy. Like it really mm. nothing else matters because what you don't want to be in is in a position that we were with Tannehill where you have to resign him because you don't know enough to not resign right. him. Do you know right. what I mean? And let's be honest, the, the, the franchise failed Ryan Tannehill because Ryan Tannehill was a good quarterback. And for anyone that wanted to argue against it when he was a Dolphin, the proof is he's gone to a team that have given him the tools to win and he's winning. You know, has he won a Super Bowl? No, but that's, you know, yeah, I agree. he's taken that team to the playoffs and they've won big games and he is a big part of it. Yes, they've got Derrick Henry. I understand that. But like the Titans, the, the Titans aren't winning if I'm playing quarterback with Derrick Henry. Do yeah, you know it's a I mean? great point. Like, he's still doing his part. Yeah, I completely agree with it. I think Tannehill is amongst the most underrated players in the league again. And it's a great point you make because the identity of that Titans offense is, is fundamental and apparent. He, you can apply this. I know they're banged up heavily right now, but you can apply this, I think to the Browns, right. And the progression with the Browns, they've worked out. Stefanski's worked out all in defense. We strengthen our secondary. We've got playmakers defensively. We've got the pretty much the best ground game in the business. Baker Mayfield, all you need to do is not screw it up. <laughs> that's the, that is the identity of that team. But it's, you know, that's a bit disrespectful to Baker, but you get my point. It's they simplified it, you know, but they all know what they're meant to be doing on the basis of their all fit. The, the Titans have a really clear identity. At the moment, Miami doesn't have, in, in actuality, in principle, in theory, maybe, but offensively, yeah, it doesn't have that coherence and that uniformity of vision offensively. And that's, that's the problem. Yeah, I just want to ask you another question about Tua, actually, Nat. So from a from somebody who's in the media, um, we as fans see a lot of the national media types, especially in America, making the comparison between Mac Jones, who is the next big thing, according to the national media in New England. Mm. Yet Tua, there are still loads of doubts over whether he is that franchise quarterback. Yet if you read between the lines and look at the, the stats and the, and the performances that you see on the TV you would have thought that Tua has had has been more successful so far than Mac Jones, yet you've got these differing narratives that the national media seem to portray. Why why do you think that is from a, from somebody who's in the media? Why do you think that Mac Jones is the saviour for New England, yet Tua mm. hasn't got that label yet for the Dolphins, despite evidence to the contrary? You know, it's a great question. It really is. I I would like to think it is because... 
Tua has um, had this disrupted start. And I suppose the additional element that perhaps clouds perception, the injury he sustained you know, at Bama and therefore the prolonged period of time he was out then as well. So it feels like we haven't seen all that much of Tua, I guess, in, in comparison to some of his contemporaries. And uh, I don't know, Mac Jones has only been in the NFL five minutes, but, you know, he had a full and successful season the, the year before. Tua, it's interesting. When I was with the, the Finns on Friday and when we did the interview with Coach, the inevitably, when you ever, whenever you do an interview like that, the, the PRs are around, right? The head of the head of comms is in in coach uh, coach's case is around, and the we had a chat with her afterwards. This is the head of Miami's PR, and just talking generally about the trip and London and fans, and you know the usual thing you talk about. And Tua came up, and I'd said I told uh, Coach Flores that I was a Finns fan, and uh, you know, uh, so we had a had a bit of a chat about that, and then she picked up on that because she'd heard me say that during the interview uh, or before we started, I should say, and asked me a bit more and drilled down. And so realized that I, that I was, and I asked her about tour and how he's feeling. Cause this was minutes after he coach Flores had announced in the press said, so you were there that, uh, that he was going to play. Right. So uh, if everything went to plan, so I asked him how he was feeling. Anyway, we got onto tour and she amongst other things said what uh, a charismatic and utterly charming and engaging and disarming in the in a nice way uh individually is that he is just and that filled me with a lot of confidence because sure she's in pr right she's a good at spinning but it was genuine and it, it felt genuine she was with flores at, uh, at the patriots right so she's you know she's an experienced operator and it gave me the sense that uh, the fact it was volunteered and wasn't you know didn't leave with it that the position was this is a guy that can lead a team that can light up a room that has that that mock you know th those intangibles that moxie that that element that you need you want to see in a quarterback uh, i know that might feel a slightly superficial compared to what i'm actually seeing him do on the field but i think it's interlinked and i walked away from that thinking definitely feeling a step or two more confident that he's our guy for the future uh it was, it was just interesting insight that's that's really interesting. And talking of uh, of guys of the future, do you get the sense that that coaches on the the hot seats? There's a lot of Dolphins Twitter's kind of. Uh, I think I, I know a couple of people specifically are just kind of like right, we're, we're done. He's clearly not the guy to to take the Dolphins forward. Did you get the kind of sense from interviewing him on Friday that he was feeling the pressure at all? I think he's frustrated. He said he was frustrated and we'd all be frustrated, right? And, and the defensive regression, I think in particular, but, you know, I maintain that, and we talked about this on the pod this week, you're missing your two best corners amongst the best corner tandem in the business. Uh, you're missing an elite wide receiver and other pieces too. Your quarterback's playing at, what do we reckon? 60 Five percent fitness, if we're if we're being generous, in an injury which is particularly problematic for a quarterback to be playing. Uh, and, and you know, I think on the interception, I think that was that was fundamental, right? And JBL made the point in studio. I, 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 the only thing I can think, you know, the rational explanation for that is you got, you know, whether it's a kind of spike. I don't know if you guys have ever done your ribs. It is messy, and so I, I think with all of that, that's going to create frustration. And so I definitely got a sense that he is not happy with where we're at and that's understandable right because we wouldn't 
expect him to be. On the flip side of that, he felt like a man in complete control of the situation. So annoyed about it, frustrated about it, but not panicking about it, not worried unduly about it. And in answer to, to, to your first point about the those on Twitter, the, the Flores detractors, nonsense. I couldn't disagree more. I think it is ridiculous to suggest that he's not the guy to take us forward the diametric opposite i think is we know in the nfl continuity is so important patience is so important you can't i guess prolong a situation that is clearly the wildly the wrong direction so like freddie kitchens in cleveland just he just clearly wasn't at that stage of his career who knows he might come on come on to be a great head coach but that that time in that situation not going to happen right I would say to all of those Flores haters, um, just go and look at the reaction that Bill Belichick had in <laughs> when he was appointed head coach in New England and he did much of the early time in New England. Uh, uh, it's uh, absurd to suggest that he's, uh, his job is in risk. And I don't think anyone in the uh, Dolphins organization seriously considers that. Now, look, if we go on some terrible tilt and end up 2-15 and 15 or whatever... I guess questions have to be asked then, but I can't see that touch wood happening. So yeah, I, 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 uh, I couldn't be a bigger Flores supporter and I think he's absolutely the right guy to take us forward. Okay. On that note, I'm, de- I'm debating whether to go for a home or away question now. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to plump for home. Let's do it. Um, so if Flores is not the, is, is in your eyes should remain as head coach of the Dolphins, somebody needs to be accountable for, um, what's going? What has happened so far in the season in terms of one opening win and and five losses? Who, in your mind, should be held accountable? Should it be Chris Greer, for example, or should it be the more offensive coaches, where you've got that questionable play calling and the the, the general what sense of lack of development from the offensive line in particular? So, what what should the Dolphins do to address that? Do you think? I mean, I don't think it's Greer, uh, although you, today, you raise an interesting point, right? Because I remember, and I'm pretty sure it was the last time I was on this show, we talked about the the long-term game plan, right? And uh, the Minka and Laramie Tunsil dealing and my sus- questions I had about that because I get it if you're, um, well, if, if you're the Patriots and it's Gilmore and you think, well, if I offer him a big contract now, we're just going to see him decline. That's, you know, Belichick's done that from day one. And, you know, but when you're de- dealing young pieces that can be the mainstay of your team, is that the right play? Now, in retrospect, I said, well, actually, it turns out that it has been a really smart play because look at all the pieces they've acquired. And then, but then you think, well, Tua, we hope it's going to be okay. You've got um, Noah. Well, what do you, I don't know how you guys felt he played on Sunday. I think he was thrown in the lion's den. It was good and bad, you know, but not the finished article in this modern NFL, I guess, having uh, a really strong secondary core and corner core in particular. And, you know, if he's the number three to, to um, Byron and Xavier, fine, right? I could, I could probably live with that. Yeah. So I, I think, I don't know if the, um, I don't know if it's fair to say that the front office has um, done enough wrong to be on the hot seat and Chris Greer specifically to be on the hot seat. I think the jury's still out really with, with the, the picks that have been acquired by and large. So yeah, I would like to think that there doesn't need to be anyone that is held accountable to that degree. And I think it depends obviously on how the season progresses, you know, if it ends up 
I'm always trying to redo the math these days, but seven and 10, uh, it sounds so weird to say it, uh, you know, eight, nine, you know, six and 11, maybe, I don't know. I, I'm a big believer in continuity. I know that that's a little bit naive and, uh, there's usually has to be a full guy and it's usually a coordinator, right? So that's probably the way they'll go. Um, but having said that, you know, if the if the offense does start to find this identity, then why why change that? And I like to think Flores, you know, I've mentioned the Bills comparison a lot, and it's something I've chatted to to Phoebe Schechter a lot about. And Phoebe was, of course, part of the coaching team at uh, under McDermott for a couple of years, and that was a fundamental mindset that everybody understood in that organization: players, coaches, ancillary staff that wherever possible we're going to try and build something here it's a long-term vision we're not going to throw people under the bus now again without looking at the records i don't know if there were some casualties in terms of coaching assistants coordinates probably well coordinators i know there weren't actually but assistants yeah probably um but unlike um i don't know the 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 jacksonville era when and you know you make a really good point lee about the Tannehill. we just had to pay him because we didn't really know and I think that the Jags were like that with Bortles right and the Jags like consistently would Bradley would survive and you know Nathaniel Hackett or whoever would just get thrown under <laughs> thrown under the bus so maybe that will happen I'd like to think the Dolphins don't go down that road well mate I think you're very comprehensive I think we're, we're just about run out of time haven't we but uh, I think Sai alluded to a, uh, a special appearance we'll be making on our TVs on Sunday, I think it is. So give us a plug of that and, and tell us where we can find you on social media, etc. Yeah, I think that was the home and away nod. Uh, I yeah. love that. So I'm actually, I'm recording it on Sunday, recording a question of sport on Sunday, which is going to be quite a surreal thing for me to do. I'm sure like most of our listeners, your listeners and, uh, and you guys grew up with that show. <laughs> and uh, so it's going to be quite a to go on it, particularly because I'm going on with OC. So me and OC are going to be an NFL team with Sam Quek, which should be a lot of fun. Um, mildly terrified that I'm going to be asked a really obvious question and we'll, we'll, inevitably that's going to happen actually it's the kind of thing that I would do um, uh, but I will I will have a goldfish memory and keep on hey, next down I'll do a Hollywood Brown and uh, have a few balls hit me in the helmet and then <laughs> and then score an outlandish <laughs> touchdown so yeah really looking forward to, to doing that and um, I'll be going straight from the studio over to or back into London for uh, talk sport and the radio show we do on a Sunday night uh, from five o'clock uh, and the pod I mentioned earlier on the, the Nat Coombe show available at all good podcatchers. Yeah. It's honestly, nice. you could look at the, look at the dolphin season and, and go, what happens next? Can't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, just loves a pun, don't you mate? Yeah, so, love that. Love that. I can't top that. I'm not even going to attempt to. <laughs> Thanks Nat. Appreciate your time, mate. Thank love you. to see you guys. Take care. Great, really good to hear from that. He's always really, really pleasant to have on the podcast, isn't he, guys? And, and thanks for organising that, Si. I know uh, you kind of set that up on Friday, so so cheers for that, mate. Um, any, any other shout-outs before we get out of here? I'm already done my shout-outs that I was going to do for the guys at Hard Rock um, that I met on Saturday. And, of course, I met you, Lee, for the uh, first time this <laughs> yeah. weekend too as well, which is uh, amazing. Um, but let's let's look forward to the remain, remaining games of this season. I think we're all agreed we're not li- unlikely to get in the playoffs. Um, but let's watch Tua's development with interest now because it's all about him and how he can develop for this team. That is it, especially because we've given away our first man pick anyway. So, <laughs> well, uh, you know, anyway, we'll come to that next week. But that, that's fine. Right. Get out of it. Nice one.